0: Amen, amen. Won't you pray with me uh, this morning again? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be with your people together in your house. We ask God that you'd bless your word today. Give us revelation uh, concerning what you'd have to speak to us. Help us to hear your voice. Your word says you open our ears to hear. And so, Lord, we ask you to open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand. Help us to respond to you as you deal with us and Lord, may we say we've heard from you today uh, before we leave here. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about something I think is probably going to be relevant for everybody that's here. And that is uh, trials. How many have been through a trial? I'd say all of us. But the truth is, trials are part of the journey of, Christian, of, the, of a Christian believer. And, uh, you know, the, the truth is, you are either in the middle of a trial, coming out of a trial, or on your way to a trial. So, trials are a necessary part of the Christian life. And we're going to talk about uh, the role that trials play, how God uses role, uh, trials to, uh, and the role that He uses trials to develop us spiritually. And you can go ahead and put that. Uh, title slide up for him. We're going to talk about the, the the test of spiritual growth. How you handle trials is a direct reflection of your spiritual maturity. Let me say that again. How you handle trials is uh, uh, is a, a reflection of your spiritual maturity. Now we have a lot of teenagers in our home and i can promise you that you know in a teenager's life everything is a crisis now parents know it's not amen but to them, it is the most urgent, the most pressing. It has to be taken care of right now. You, you've got to do something about this. They're, they're, you know, they're foaming at the mouth. You know, they're, they're like, you know, and, and so you know, it, it's, it's like, but the truth is it's just a result of being immature, right? Later on in life, as they grow up, these types of things that are really trivial uh, won't have nearly as much effect on them. They'll be able to see it from a different perspective because they've grown up. They've experienced things that, you know, a lot of us, we, we're, we are terrified of things that, that uh, we are afraid to happen. But in reality, 99.9% of the things that we're afraid uh, are going to happen actually never do. I mean, think about all the things you worry about. Clay talked about that last week about anxiety. Think about all the things that you worry about every single day of every single week and think about how many of those actually happened to you. (laughs) I mean, again... You know, there's a lot of things that we get overwhelmed about, being out of shape over, things that we were hoping would work out differently that, that end up not working out differently. But, you know, after you get past that particular moment, you find out that God worked it out anyways, right? See, God sends us things that we need oftentimes in packages that we don't like. Because the truth is we want God, we want Christianity, we want heaven, we want church, we want all the things that the Bible teaches us, we just want them on our terms, right? We like to be in control. And one of the things that uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me last week is that the reason that there's so much anxiety and fear in people's lives is because they are holding on to things that they have, that they need to let go of. Because, listen, if, if you want to keep holding on to things that are causing uh, negative outcomes in your life then, and not give those over to God, then God will let you carry them into the point of a breakdown. Now, it don't have to be that way, but, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you just simply need to let go. You know, we, we, t- we did a baby dedication last week, and, you know, there's that moment where we dedicate that child to God But throughout the duration of their lives, that's not the only time you're going to dedicate that child to God. You know, there's a moment that you dedicate, and then there's a moment-by-moment dedication of this child to the Lord on a daily basis. Because there's things in their lives that you wish you could take care of and fix, but you can't because they have to learn this. On their own see, there's some lessons that there uh, are to learn, and then there's lessons that have to be lived. So if trials are a legitimate part of our lives, then we need to understand the purpose of trials: how God uses trials, the kind of perspective that we should have when we're going through trials. The Bible is full of people who went through trials severe trials. Matter of fact the apostle Peter wrote he said don't think it strange my brethren concerning the fiery trials that come to test you. In other words listen the normal Christian life is filled with trials and so Peter says look you just need to accept them understand it's part of the process but if you can begin to see your trials from God's perspective, if you can understand that God is going to use this trial to develop you into more like Jesus. How many of you pray to become like Jesus? I promise you that is an extremely dangerous prayer. You know, I've often prayed to become like Jesus, and when I went through what for me was the most difficult moment in my life, you know, it it causes you to ask questions, right? Right? You know, so, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm asking God, you know, God, why I tried to handle this the right way? I tried to do the right thing. I followed the right protocol. I mean, I don't know, you know, what I did wrong. Why why is this happening? And I'll never forget, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Don, I'm a man of sorrows. What do you think that means? That's not necessarily what I wanted to hear. I would have rather hear him say, Don, it's going to be okay. Nobody says... He said, I'm a man of sorrows. What do you think that means? He said, you pray to become like me. This was my response. It wasn't a holy one, but my response was, yeah, I'm stupid like that, Lord. I'm just saying that if you don't mean it when you pray, don't pray it. Because God will test you to see just how much you mean what you said. He said, but Donald, do you pray to become like me? I went, yeah, I'm stupid like that, Lord. And then the Lord said to me, then you don't get to pick and choose which characteristics of me you get to be like. See, when we think about Jesus, we think about the fruit of the Spirit. He's humble. He's loving. You know, he honors people. You know, he's sacrificial. You know, and all of that stuff is true. But that's not the only thing that's true about him. He was also despised. He was rejected. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. He went through lots of suffering. And somewhere, at some time, if it's not happened yet, you're going to have to go through times when you suffer. Now there's a verse of scripture in First Peter that, that I wish wouldn't even in there. You ever read some of the Bible and, and said, man, I wish that would I wish that would even end the book? Like the one says, you know, if you don't treat your wife good, your prayers will be hindered. I'm like, oh. Gets me every time. Cause I'm praying to be like Jesus, right? Well, that's why you get married. Your wife or husband can help you tremendously to become like Jesus. Matter of fact, I didn't even know how selfish I was until I got married. I thought I was a selfless guy. Anyways, I'm preaching before I get ready to preach, but anyways. But Peter says, after you have suffered according to the will of God. Can you believe it's in there? After, listen, there's some suffering you experience, it's your own fault. I mean, if you could kick the person responsible for the majority of the problems in your life, you probably couldn't sit in the seat you're in right now. I mean, it's not always somebody else's fault. Rarely it's somebody else's fault. Most of the time, it's our own fault. You know, I've had more trouble out of Donald Sims than any man I've ever met in my life. But I always blamed it on other people. But that's what happens when you're immature. You don't see the role you played in it. And you don't see the lesson God wants to teach you in the midst of it. Because some things happen that after you suffer according to the will of God, God uses that to make you more like Him. Amen? Let me get in here and read before I preach. I've already preached a little bit. But James chapter number 1. I love the book of James. He's just straightforward. You know, he don't pull no punches. He doesn't even start his letter out with a Hello? He doesn't say, you know, Paul said, you know, greetings, beloved, you know, sisters in, in Philippi, and, you know, grace and peace. James goes, he goes straight in to trials. First chapter, first few verses, he goes right into, look what he says here in verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Another translation says it produces endurance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, understand that this verse is not saying that you're going to be perfect. What it's actually saying is it will actually produce spiritual maturity. That's what he's saying. You know, if you let patience have its perfect work, you will become spiritually mature. And listen, don't pray for patience if you don't mean it. That's another one of those dangerous prayers. I mean, you pray for patience and then find yourself in a situation almost every day that you're complaining about and you're going, oh, i got to stop this. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now notice what it says here in verse 5. If any one of you lack wisdom let any mask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Let's get down to verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures under trial or perseveres under trial for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So I want to talk about trials for a few moments. The reality of having to go through trials is a sobering one. I mean, there was a hokey doctrine going back a a few years ago that lasted about 15 minutes that said that if you're going through a trial, it's probably because you don't have enough faith. That if you have faith... You will never go through a trial. You'll never have to suffer. You'll never be in lack. You'll never uh, experience uh, any bad things that happen uh, to other people. I mean, again, it lasted about 15 minutes, but there was some folk that actually believed this. And, And so, the Bible says something completely different. You know, somewhere in our theology, we have to leave room for the doctrine of suffering. We're going to suffer. We're going to have to go through, th- the Bible says that, that there's going to be suffering and persecution to those who are living godly in Christ Jesus. You know, if we're going to be salt and we're going to be light, If we're going to be a reflection of Jesus, Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you also. That becomes part of it. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, negative or pessimistic. I'm just trying to help you see things in proper perspective that trials are going to be a normal part of life. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to escape having to go through trials. But trials are important because God uses trials to spiritually develop us into the people that he intends for us to be. Now, a trial is an unscheduled interruption in our life. In other words, it's something that happens that we weren't expecting to happen. Something that uh, is negative, something that is difficult, something that is... Um, Adverse, something that is in opposition It's unexpected, it's an unexpected uh, interruption in our life That interferes with the day-to-day normal living of a believer Now, you know, I don't like to be uh, interfered with, you know I've got stuff that I need to get done You know, I've got to-do lists every single day and I like to see those to-do lists, some of them, at least some of them, actually accomplished. But there are times in my life when far more than what I would uh, prefer that actually turn out where actually nothing gets accomplished. And that that, that bothers me, that, that irks me. I, I can't stand that. I want to make sure that I'm maximizing my time and that I'm doing something that's profitable and fruitful for the kingdom of God. But... Trials sometimes interfere in the normal day-to-day pattern of our lives, but trials mold us, trials shape us, trials give us a testimony. As a matter of fact, if you removed all the hell that you've had to go through up to this point in your life, you would not be the person that you are today. And so they play an important role, and it's important for us to see that role. But James says something very, very important in verse number two that gives us perspective. He says, Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials. Now, notice it doesn't say if you fall into various trials, it says when. In other words, there should be an expectation that trials are going to happen in our lives. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. In other words, the expectation is you should be a praying person, right? He said, when you fast, not if If you fast, in other words, fasting is not something for a radical believer. uh, Fasting is something for the normal, everyday Christian. Prayer is something that is for the normal, ordinary, everyday Christian. And James comes along, he says, when you go through various trials, not if you go through various trials, but how many of us, when trials happen, we are constantly Taken by surprise and unaware without any type of expectation because we don't expect things to happen the way that they do in our life and then we just simply freak out. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you freak out when things happen? You know, How many of you turn a common cold into Pneumonia. Listen, you know, you you have some kind of physical conditions. You immediately get on Google and Google your symptoms. And the next thing you know, you got some kind of terminal disease that you can't even pronounce. You know, I remember I took my first psychology class in in college. And they were going through the different types of of terms and uh, perspectives in in psychology. And I thought, man, I've got... I've got every one of these right here. <laughs> that, that, I, you know, I read the first one. I thought, that's what's wrong with me. I'd read the second one. I, I, that's wrong with me too. I'd read the next one. i thought, man, I, no wonder I messed up. But, you know, we have to prepare ourselves for trials because James said when you find yourself going through trials. That's part, look, if you don't get anything else out of this than what I just already told you, that will help you because you have to prepare yourself for when trials come. It's not a matter if they come, but when they come and how you handle it when they come in your life. If you're constantly freaking out, if you're constantly panicking, if you're constantly thinking worst-case scenario, it is a direct reflection of your spiritual immaturity and your lack of confidence in God to take care of you. Jesus said, "Cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you." You know, some people say we know I you know, I don't even bother praying It's such a small thing. You know, I don't want to bother God with such a a small thing uh, that I'm going through. Listen, let me tell you something. Everything's small to God. It may be big to you, but it's small to God, and that is a reflection of just how little of God you serve. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. It's all good, though. So let me give you four things that you need to know in order to benefit from the trials that you go through. I'm going to encourage you to write a few things down. This is going to help you. This is a message that will help you five years from now, ten years from now, for the rest of your life, if you can grab it. First thing, number one. If you're going to benefit through the trials that you go through, the first thing you need to know is, what's the purpose of trials? What is the purpose of trials? Listen, there is always a purpose behind every trial that you go through. Now, let me explain something. There's a difference between trials and temptations. And Lord willing, I'll talk about that next time. But trials are designed to develop you. Temptation is designed to destroy you. Trials are designed to develop you. Temptation is designed to destroy you. And a trial is an adverse set of circumstances in your life, now listen, either allowed or created by God and is designed to develop you spiritually. Every trial that you go through has the same goal in mind, and that is to develop you into the person that God has created you to be. Now, that's important for you to know so that when you are in the midst of a trial, you can understand that there is a purpose for the trial that I'm going through. And not only is there a purpose, I know once this trial is over, God's going to use this trial to make me more like Jesus. Now, it may taste like medicine, but it will make you better. I, can't expl- I cannot emphasize to you how important it is for you to get this. There's a purpose behind the trial for what you're going through. God will use that. It's either been allowed by God or it's been created by God for the purpose of developing you spiritually into the person that God's created you to be. Now, verses 2 and 3 says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. Now, James even explains to us what kind of trials that you can expect to experience in life. Isn't that good? I don't want ever to be caught unaware, although it happens. But James says, look, when you find yourself in trials, let me describe to you what kind of trials there will be. He says they'll be various. Now, that word various in the Greek language actually means multicolored or multifaceted. In other words, every trial that you go through may look completely different than the one that you went through previously, but the goal's still the same. The purpose is still the same, and that is to develop you spiritually. So James says, look, you're going to experience various trials, meaning you're going to have uh, physical trials, you're going to have financial trials, you're going to have emotional trials, you're going to have relational trials, you're going to have uh, circumstantial trials, that there's going to be various, they're going to be multifaceted, they're going to be all kinds of different things, but whatever trial you find yourself in the middle of, understand the goal's the same, and that is to develop you spiritually. If you can get that, if you can grasp that, it will help you get through what you're going through because it's what you know when you're going through something that actually gets you through. Let me say that again. It's what you know when you're going through what you're going through that actually helps you get through. And here's the truth. You can ask Job. He'll testify to you. Sometimes the only way out of a trial is through it. Job couldn't have prayed more. He couldn't have fasted more. He couldn't have cried more. He couldn't have complained more. There was nothing that Job could have done that would remove removed him out of the trial he was in because the only way out for Job was through it. That's a word for somebody. God loves you enough that he doesn't come and rescue you when things get difficult. You know, me and Rachel, we talk about this stuff all the time with our children. I mean, there's some things that our children deal with that we know that we can't change or if we did change, it wouldn't be helpful for them. Sometimes they are in a difficult situation. You know, we've got middle schoolers and, you know, middle school is a difficult time for, uh, uh, for children. And so they come home and they say, Well... I'm having to deal with this and I'm having to, to deal with that and, you know, uh, this happened and, and that happened and, they, and immediately our human nature is they want to run away from that. But there's times when you can't rescue your child because you will be doing them a disservice by removing them out of the environment that's going to prepare them for the real world once they graduate. That's good preaching right there. Because I talk about this all the time. I ask Rachel, I said, you know, if we remove them out of this environment, how's that going to prepare them for real issues they're going to struggle with and deal with once they graduate? Is this going to help them? Or are they going to expect to be rescued out of every difficult situation that they're in? Now, listen, I am a helper. Listen, I come to save today. Listen, they need, I've come to rescue. I'll never forget the first time Rachel, I'm going to say, deceived me into going to the doctor with her and Jessa to get her shot. I'm still dealing with unforgiveness in that. So I went like a moron. I'm like, okay. She didn't tell me what was about to happen. Well, I'm sitting in there, you know, and is sitting in my lap, you know, and we're just all good. All of a sudden, uh, the doctor brings this, you know, needle that looked like it's this long. You know, she gets her immunization shots. And all of a sudden, she freaks out. I mean, she goes into a panic, death cry, fear, terrified, you know. And and I'm going, oh, my gosh. And so Rachel's getting getting her, okay. She grabbed her. She's holding her down. She's like, help me now. I said, no. (laughs) Nope. I'm about to get her, and we're getting ready to go out the door. You're going to reschedule this appointment because I am not coming back. I've never been back since. And you know why I haven't been back? Because I'm smart. I remember telling the doctor, she didn't understand it at the time, I said, I'm finding out the doctor's not nearly as smart as they think they are. Because somewhere in that doctor's manual, there should be a statement made. Dads are not allowed to come when children get immunization shots. (laughs) I ain't been back since. Yes. Yes, that's that's true. Shame me. Whatever you want to do. Look at me. Yes, but I'm dad. And dad comes to the rescue. She's looking at me. She's like, you're my dad and you're supposed to protect me. And and you're just going to let them just stab me with this sword I'm like no I'm not no I'm not we're We're going but how many know she need to get immunization shots sometimes if we rescue our children out of environments that are necessary for them to ultimately protect them in the future we're not doing them a favor and the same is true with our own lives God's a good father He knows what we need, and we need what he gives us, and sometimes we don't like what happens, but he sends us what we need and packages that we don't like. That's part of the process of trials. So the purpose of trials is always the same, and it is to move us forward towards spiritual maturity. That's why James says in the same verse, verse 3, he says that you might become perfect and complete. In other words, trials are designed to help us grow up and become more mature. You know, we are predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son of God. And a sculptor has certain types of tools that he uses to chip away from the sculpture itself in order to produce a beautiful outcome of a statue. See, God is like a sculptor and trials are the tools that he uses to chip away the things in our life that are keeping us from becoming who he created us to be. So the next time you find yourself in a trial, understand God's answering your prayer. Because you prayed to become more like Jesus, right? You can't take it back now. He's using that to make you more like Jesus. He's using that to develop you. Listen, sometimes having a sense of purpose is what you have to have in order to get through the trial you're in. If you think there's no purpose in what you're going through, then you'll never be able to see the end and the outcome because we never really fail God's tests. We just keep taking them over and over and over again until we pass. If you don't believe me, ask the children of Israel. Their destination was the promised land, but they kept wandering around in circles because they could never pass the test. Trials have a purpose. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing we need to know if we're going to benefit from trials is the process of trials. The process of trials. The trials you go through, listen to me, the trials you go through are custom made by God for you. God knows what you need. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you're going through, and he also knows the outcome that he wants to happen in your life because your trials are custom made. In other words, your trials have your name on it. But it's part of the process. God uses things that we need that we don't necessarily like in order to develop us spiritually. A trial... Reveals what we're made of on the inside. Now, if I had a tomato in my hand and I started squeezing that tomato, if I squeezed that tomato hard enough, what's on the inside will soon come on the outside, right? Well, God uses trials to put the squeeze on us in order to reveal who we really are on the inside. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that we don't know because the truth is this. Most people believe that they are a lot better off than what they really are. I mean, there's a lot of folks that think that coming to church on Sunday morning makes them a super Christian. A lot of people think, well, I come to church every single week. That means that, you know, that, you know, that they are, you know, they're, they're, they're walking in their destiny. It's all right. Can I preach this in here, you know? I mean, if you think you're doing God a favor for being here, I'm not quite sure you're even saved, much less being everything God wants you to be. But in America, we want to have minimal commitment but maximum benefits. We want minimal commitment, but maximum benefits. In other words, we're kind of like a lot of people in our nation. We have a sense of entitlement because we're Christians. Listen, we're not anointed in order to have a status. We're anointed in order to be available for service. Some folks are like political party members. Some people are Democrat, name only. Some people are Republican, name only. Some people are Christian, name only. And their track record proves it. But they think that they are the solution to all of our problems. Amen? You know, when a runner tries to or desires to increase uh, their speed and their time, they increase the amount of time they spend stretching. Same thing's true in a Christian's life. You know, if God wants to develop us, he will stretch us and he uses trials to stretch us in order to develop us into who he wants us to be. True spiritual maturity demands that our faith be tested. And James says this, let your patience or your endurance have It's perfect work. In other words, let God use what you're going through until he achieves his desired outcome. Now, I know that that's not fun or enjoyable or we don't necessarily like, you know, having to go through that, but it's a necessary part. So, we need to know the purpose of trials. We need to understand the process of trials. Here's the third thing. The third thing is... The perspective of trials. How do I get through this trial and pass the test in order for God to bring about his desired outcome? What, what do I need to do? How do I handle it? Well, in verse 2 it says this, count it all joy. Now, I think that James is being probably a little bit too Pentecostal on this one. There's nothing enjoyable about going through a trial. But that's what it says, right? No. Well, it says it right there. It's up here. Count it all joy. Well, the thing is, we need to define what joy is. What that does not say is count it all happiness. Now, happiness is jubilation over a set of circumstances that are favorable to us. In other words, happiness is a reflection of what happens to us outwardly. Joy is a quality that we possess inwardly because of a relationship that we have with the one who is in control. Listen, having peace in your life is a reflection of your trust in God that he's handling your life well. You can trust his leadership. But he says, count it all joy. Now, what does that actually mean? How does that actually look like? Well, what that's talking about is this is the kind of attitude that you need to have when you're going through trials. In other words, you know, the quality of your life is not the result of what's happening around you, but the result of what's happening in you. And what happens in you is far more important than what happens to you. See, God determines what we go through, but we determine how we go through it. And attitude, man, I could preach for, till Jesus returns on attitude, but attitude, it's so critically important for you to get through what you're going through. Having the right attitude is critically important. So he says, look... Let this attitude be the way you view it. Listen, how can I go through a trial and not get angry? How can I go through a trial and not get upset? How can I go through a trial and keep from getting bitter? How can I go through a trial and, and keep from getting offended? Well, it all begins with the kind of attitude that you have. Your attitude determines how you go through what you're going through. Life is about 10% of what you go through and 90% of the way that you view what you're going through. Just like the children of Israel, when God showed them the promised land, he sent out 12 spies, right? All 12 spies saw the same thing, right? They looked into the promised land and they saw it. 10 of them come back with a negative report, Two of them came back with a positive report. They all saw the same thing, but they interpreted what they saw differently. Hear me. How important is your attitude when you're going through a trial? It will either take you into the promised land or it will keep you out of the promised land. So the question is when you're going through a trial, what do you see? They come back. And they had a negative report, 10 of them. They saw the same thing. Two of them come back with a positive report. Those were the two that actually entered in to the promise. And so attitude plays a very important part of how we handle our trials. So how do we get through this and reach that desired outcome? Number one, have the right attitude. Here's the second thing. If you're going to get through this trial, then you're going to have to know something before you go through it. Now, look what it says here. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Everybody shout that word. You've got to know something. If you're going to see the positive benefits and reap the benefits of the trial you're going through, then you need to know something, that what you're going through is going to produce a desired outcome that you may not necessarily be able to see yet. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces... When you're going through a trial, understand that it's going to produce something beneficial no matter how bad the trial is that you're going through. You need to know that. Now some of you you're kind of you're you're, you're dull in your in your receptors right now. Because you you know that that sounds good, But that needs to register in your spirit because you've been going through the same type of stuff over and over and over again. You can nod your head and say amen, but nothing's is not changing for you. That's because you're not giving revelation on what God wants you to know. You with me? Knowing. For example, when a woman goes into labor to have a baby, she experiences some pain a little bit, right? It's the most intense, brutal pain that she's ever experienced. And what's worse than the pain of labor is that she has to cooperate with this pain. So when it's hurting at its worst, they've got a doctor behind there saying, you need to push. Don't give up. Push. Listen, now, she feels like giving up. But what keeps her pushing through When she feels like giving up, she knows. She knows that if she just keeps pushing like she knows she's supposed to, there will produce something that will actually turn out to be a gift from God on the other side of the pain. That's a word for somebody right now. A lot of times when we get hurt and wounded, when we, we deal with pain in our life, We don't respond positively. We respond negatively, and we actually end up making things worse by our response. Truth is this. What happens to you affects us, obviously, in in, in a way, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, sometimes even physically, but how we respond to that. Affects us even more So that's important We need to know something One word, knowing Now, what do you need to know? You need to know that it's going to produce something That is going to be beneficial For example, Jesus Jesus had a bad day on Friday, right? Friday was a bad day He suffered, right? But what helped him Persevere through Friday was what he knew was going to happen on Sunday. And what the devil wants you to not know is that it may be a Friday season in your life, but if you can press through your Friday, Sunday's coming. That's why the Hebrew writer wrote, he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't just see the cross, he saw on the other side of the cross that what him going to the cross would produce would be salvation for the world. And some of you are so focused on your trial that you're never going to see the outcome if you don't step back and get perspective. Now, we quote James chapter 1 verse 5. Put that back up there for me. Now, here's what he says. If any man lacks wisdom, I'm about to wrap it up. If any man lacks wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Ask God. Now, we just say that we need wisdom in general, which is true. But let's take this verse in context of what James is talking about. What's the context that James is talking about? Trials. Because, how do I know? Because three verses ahead of this, he said, count it all joy, brethren, when you find yourself going through various trials. So James says, you don't just need wisdom for everyday living, you need wisdom in the middle of your trial. Isn't that weird? See, most people ask the wrong question. Most people ask, why am I going through this instead of what are you wanting me to learn in the middle of this? See, if some of you would change your questions from why to what, it would change your perspective because when you ask God for wisdom going through the middle of your trial, it's like getting in an airplane flying over your trial and looking at your trial from God's perspective. Man, that's good right there. If you can just see what you're going through from God's perspective, you'll realize that he's got this all under control and it's going to be all right. So he says, if any man lacks wisdom, wisdom allows you to see the trial you're going through from God's perspective. The problem is this, you're looking at it from your perspective. You're too close to your problem and you need to take a step back and get perspective. Now, I want you to put this into practice. I don't want to give you just good content for message. I want you to say, okay, what am I going through right now that I'm not learning the lesson God wants to teach me? I'm not saying that he's punishing us. I'm saying a trial is going to benefit us if we can see it from his perspective. I'm about to finish with this. Then go ahead and come to music. So when you're going through the trial, you have to have your mind made up that God's going to use this to benefit me and develop me into the person that he created me to be. You see, every storm is a school and every trial is a teacher. But everybody knows the teacher never talks while the test is going on. But they're right there. There are times in our life when God is silent, but there's never a time in our life when God is absent. And just because he's silent right now at this moment doesn't necessarily mean, no, it never means that he's absent. As a matter of fact, he says, I will go with you and will be with you always, even to the ends of the world. Amen? Stand with me. Last thing's this. The perseverance of trials. We need to know the purpose of trials, the process of trials, the perspective of trials, and the perseverance of trials. God rewards those who persevere through their trial. And there's some of you, you're going through a severe trial right now. I'm not trying to make light of your trial. I'm not trying to... Blow it off as if it's not difficult or hard. What I am trying to do is this. I promise you, if you can understand there's a purpose, if you will cooperate with the process, if you could get right perspective and persevere, here's what he says. Blessed is the man who perseveres under what? Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. I promise you, when you see his face, it'll never matter again what you've been through. When you see his face, it won't matter how much pain you experienced. When you see his face, you'll say it was worth it. As a matter of fact, even if there's any pain remaining in you, the scripture says, he will wipe away every tear from every eye. And when you see his face, You will say, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth all I had to go through. It was worth persevering through. The Bible says that you have need of perseverance. That after you have received the promise, or after you persevered, you might obtain the promise. I made this on my Facebook status the other day on Friday because 21 years is a big deal for me but I said with all honesty and sincerity if God doesn't do another thing for me he's done enough if he doesn't do and I mean this if he doesn't do another thing I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life If I have to go alone, if people leave me and forsake me, if people refuse to go, I'm going to press on because one day I'm going to see His face. You know, I don't serve God because of the benefits, and there are many. I serve Him because... I love him. I love him with everything in me, and I want to love him more. Any man that would be willing to do for me what he did, I'm going to give myself. Because God didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me what I didn't deserve. And some of you have been hurt by other people. And you know what? You want to give those people what they deserve. But you don't want God to give you what you deserve. So why hold on to your bitterness? Why hold on to your anger? Why hold on to your offense? Why hold on to your pain? If you know that God has a purpose for the trial that you're going through, why don't you just let go? And say, I'm confident because I've got a track record with God. And there were times when I didn't know if I was going to make it through what I was going through. But you know what? I'm still standing here today. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For he shall receive a crown of life. One day, God will reward your perseverance as you've persevered through your trials. And listen, it'll be worth it then. In a moment, everything that you're carrying today will completely disappear. You'll say it's not worth it. It doesn't matter. I'm not holding on to this any longer. I'm going to see him, and he's going to make all things good because he's a good God. Do you know how pearls are formed? Pearls are formed when a grain of sand gets caught inside of a clam, and that grain of sand Irritates that clam until it secretes a fluid and it begins to continue to irritate and irritate and irritate and as that clam secretes that fluid, a pearl is formed as a result of the irritation and the, un- the, the lack of comfort that has come because of the sand that's on the inside. Some of you, you're in an uncomfortable moment in your life. You may hate it. You may despise it. It may be taking its toll on you. But I promise you, if you will persevere through what you're going through, it will produce something of great value in your life. And you will say. It was worth it. There's been things that's happened in my life that I've said, I never want to go through this again, but I wouldn't take what I received as a result of going through that. Because it's worth it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that our trials were custom made. Thank you for James, for inspiring him to write these scriptures that we may learn the purpose of trials that we may understand the process of trials that we may see the trials we're going through from your perspective and that we may persevere through them because you're using them no matter how irritating that they are no matter how uncomfortable we become no matter how difficult it turns out to be you are going to work through this and produce a desired outcome. So, Lord, I pray right now for everybody that's here that's going through a trial that maybe they don't understand why they're going through it. They may not understand why everything is happening. I pray, Lord, that you speak to them and that you would show them from your perspective what it is that you are going to do in their life as a result of their perseverance through this trial. If you're here this morning and you're going through a trial, If you're here this morning and you are overwhelmed and you are under pressure as a result of your circumstances, won't you shoot your hand straight up and say that's me? I'm going through a trial right now. It's the hardest thing I've been through. It's overwhelming. If you're here this morning and you're going through the trial and God's saying to you, Ask me for wisdom. And then I'll help you see it from my perspective. If you're going through a trial, you feel overwhelmed, you need peace, you need perspective, you need help, I want to encourage you, as they sing and as they play, get out of your seat and find a place at this altar because God's going to meet you there. Amen.